Understanding mental health struggles can be tough. That's why I created Therapy in a Nutshell to help make complicated therapeutic topics easy to understand and learn. I'm Emma McAdam, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Therapy in a Nutshell podcast. These episodes don't replace the need for mental health professionals or the advice given by doctors, but they provide options, resources, and skills that can help you in your journey to better your own mental health or help those around you who may be struggling. If you want to find more resources or if you want to learn about courses I offer on specific mental health topics, please stop by my website at therapyinanutshell.com. Now, let's jump into this week's skill. During the Napoleonic Wars, doctors started to describe a disease that caused men to go mad, to hallucinate, to lose their ability to speak. Uh, They might develop depression, anxiety, psychosis, or mood swings. Uh, Symptoms included cognitive impairment, personality changes, psychiatric disorders, visual and auditory abnormalities. By all appearances, this could have been described as a mental illness, but it wasn't a disorder of the mind, but rather a physical illness of the brain. It was caused by untreated syphilis. And when antibiotics were developed, it became completely treatable. Now, let me tell you another story. At a conference on the interaction of nutrition and mental health, the presenter shared a case example of a woman in her 50s who developed OCD for the first time in her life. She was very distressed and she began therapy but didn't really see much improvement. She started working carefully with her doctor and after some blood tests, she learned that after she had started taking calcium supplements, the calcium had depleted the magnesium in her body. And when she normalized her magnesium levels, her anxiety and OCD symptoms greatly decreased. Sometimes anxiety is not all in your head. There's this dramatic interplay between your body and your mind. Sometimes a physical medical issue like a vitamin deficiency, an illness, an undiagnosed sleep issue, these show up looking exactly like the symptoms of a psychological anxiety disorder. And sometimes the best way to treat anxiety is to actually treat these underlying physical issues first, or at least rule them out. But most people, doctors included, often focus their treatments on just therapy or just medication. And I think it's important to be aware of these other conditions to treat. So in this video, we're gonna talk about 10 physical conditions that mimic anxiety. And then sometimes anxiety, even extreme anxiety, isn't disordered. Someone could show up to a therapist's office or a doctor or the ER with clear symptoms of anxiety, and it's not gonna be helpful to treat the anxiety first because the issue is really something else altogether. So let's talk about that. Okay, so there's this long-standing idea in the West that the mind and the body are two completely separate things, that you can overcome the body with the mind and that you can make a clear distinction between the two, that physical issues have nothing to do with how we think and that thinking issues have no impact on our physical health. This idea is called the Cartesian split and it is wrong. We are inherently both physical and spiritual beings and our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are rooted in our physical cells. Our emotions activate our nervous system, our cardiovascular system, our hormone system, and our chemistry. Now, when you think of something awful happening, it causes changes in your body and brain. So if, for example, you imagine yourself being harmed, embarrassed, or humiliated, your threat response system turns on. Cortisol and adrenaline flood through the body, triggering changes in blood pressure, breathing, heart rate, 
inflammation, blood sugar, muscle tension, sweating, and more, right? But the mind-body connection goes in both directions. Your mind can make your body stressed, but your body state can cause physiological changes too. Your brain is constantly scanning your body for signs of a threat, even an internal threat. So when your body is in pain, or if your breathing is tight and your muscles are tense, this can trigger the stress response and lead to this kind of endless feedback loop that looks and feels like anxiety. And when you do have a physical illness, that's just stressful on its own. It can undermine your uh, resilience or it can contribute to your anxiety symptoms. And speaking of tight muscles, let's also just take a breath and stretch for a second, okay? Mm, oh, I love stretching right by my shoulder blades. Okay, so let's talk about some of the conditions that look like anxiety, feel like anxiety, but are best treated from a medical perspective first instead of a psychological perspective. Also, let me remind you that I am not a doctor and you should always consult your doctor before making any changes to your health. Okay, number one, nutrient deficiencies. Low magnesium, zinc, iron, B vitamins like B6, B9, B1, and B12 are associated with mood swings, irritability, and anxiety. Um, using acid reflux medication or other medications can sometimes interfere with the absorption of some nutrients. Uh, some people don't metabolize certain nutrients well, and a lack of nutrients can make it hard for your brain to have the building blocks it needs for neurotransmitters. So for example, a lack of vitamin D is closely associated with depression. Now, the research is still unclear on how these nutrients impact mental health and which type of supplementation works for whom, but it may be beneficial to talk with your doctor about testing for nutrient deficiencies. And just remember, supplements are not a replacement for medication. Okay, number two, sleep disorders. I once worked with a young man in therapy who was having constant nightmares of being suffocated, and this was causing significant anxiety. Now, after carefully assessing the situation, I sent him to a sleep professional who found that he actually had very severe sleep apnea. And when he was treated for that, the anxiety and the nightmares went away. Now, sleep is essential for your brain to function well and during sleep, memories are processed and toxins are flushed out and your brain and body have this time to heal and repair. Adults need on average seven to nine hours of sleep. Poor sleep is closely associated with anxiety disorders. Uh, common problems include like sleep deprivation, not getting enough sleep, but also insomnia and sleep apnea. But less obvious problems like sleep phase disorders, restless leg syndrome, and parasomnias can also impact mood. So when sleep problems are affecting mental health, they're best treated with things like light therapy, CBT for insomnia, lifestyle changes, and treatments from a sleep professional. It really is treatable, okay? Now, I've been working with a sleep professional, a sleep coach, um, Martin is his name, and he's actually really helped me a ton with my insomnia. He's helped me drop the struggle with my insomnia, get better sleep and feel more rested. So if you'd like to learn more about his program and his offerings, um, check out the link in the description below. Number three, heart and breathing difficulties. So when it's difficult to breathe, that can mimic the symptoms of rapid breathing that come with anxiety. And this can trigger a feedback loop where your body basically tells your brain to be anxious. So you may wanna look out for and treat things like COPD, asthma, or other breathing issues, um, heart differences, heart palpitations, arrhythmia, POTS, etc. Uh, high blood pressure is also closely associated with anxiety. So these cardiovascular uh, problems can really impact anxiety. 
Number four is blood sugar issues. Things like hypoglycemia and diabetes can trigger a spike in anxiety, as can number five, chronic inflammation. So the stress response is essentially an inflammatory response, right? When you kick on this fight, flight, freeze response, cortisol sends a message to your cells to prepare for action. Inflammatory diseases like arthritis and allergies increase your chances of having an anxiety disorder. Uh, hay fever, for example, increases your risk by 65%, and rheumatoid arthritis frequently co-occurs with anxiety. So around 20 to 40% of individuals with rheumatoid arthritis may have comorbid anxiety disorders. And when I was working in residential treatment, I worked with a lot of young women, but there was a surprisingly high you know, ratio of these teenagers who had things like rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease and other chronic inflammatory issues that were impacting their mental health. So we wanna treat these whenever possible as best we can. Okay, next is hormonal issues. Uh, low or high thyroid, hyper, ooh, here's a big word, hyperadrenocorticism. I don't know if I said that right. It's when your adrenal gland is overactive and other hormonal issues can directly impact anxiety symptoms. And these are best treated by an endocrinologist. Female issues, PMS, birth control, perimenopause, menopause, pregnancy, or fertility treatments can all impact anxiety. 35% of pregnant women experience high anxiety and 20% of women experience heightened anxiety after giving birth. And again, this could be due to changes in hormones, blood pressure, blood sugar, uh, or even the physical pressure on the lungs or the heart. Not to mention the stress that comes with raising children. Okay, next, if anxiety comes on suddenly, like without reason, like you've never really been very anxious and then all of a sudden you're super anxious, you may wanna work with a doctor or rule out other things like TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, um, or other neurological conditions like encephalitis, or PANDAS. Um, sometimes medication side effects can cause uh, anxiety, especially like steroid medications, uh, cortisols, things like that. Um, Lyme disease and other disorders also can trigger anxiety-like symptoms. Substance use and abuse. So chronic cannabis use actually increases sensitivity to stress by decreasing natural endocannabinoids. Uh, caffeine use also suppresses calming chemicals and increases norepinephrine, which triggers agitation that can feel like anxiety. Alcohol sedates, it makes you feel calmer, but then it irritates, right? So it, it increases GABA, which is a calming neurotransmitter that gets stimulated, and then the glutamate is reduced. But then as the alcohol wears off, that's reversed. So you get less GABA, more glutamate, right? And many people experience increased anxiety. Alcohol also interferes with sleep, uh, so that can impact anxiety as well. Nicotine initially calms, but then the withdrawal symptoms are stimulating and agitating. So for people with anxiety, you might wanna look at these substances, reducing these substances can help dramatically. And caffeine is the one I would say like start with caffeine. Like if you can start by going a few days without caffeine, you might see a big difference in your anxiety levels. And just so you know, caffeine can impact anxiety for up to 48 hours. So you might wanna try going three days without caffeine, four or five days without caffeine and see if your anxiety decreases. Okay undiagnosed ADHD, autism, or PTSD. So sometimes the symptoms of anxiety are better explained by a different mental health diagnosis. So for example, the sensory differences of someone with autism may look like anxiety. 
Now, many of these conditions are bidirectional. So for example, anxiety impacts breathing and breathing impacts anxiety. And the stress of having an illness can contribute to anxiety. So when you're healthy, it makes you more resilient to stress. When you're stressed, it makes you more susceptible to illness. Okay, it's also really important to remember that sometimes things that feel like a physical condition are actually anxiety. So panic attacks feel like heart attacks. And health anxiety, also known as hypochondria, makes you think that there's something physically wrong with you, when in reality, the best treatment for that is psychological treatment for anxiety. It can be hard to like tell the difference. And working with a doctor who's really gonna listen to you matters, because some doctors are gonna label physical conditions as anxiety without really listening to you. Oh, you're just anxious. And some doctors are gonna maybe not explore the anxiety aspect of the physical conditions you have. Okay. Lastly, sometimes symptoms of anxiety are best treated not from a psychological or medical approach, but from an environmental approach. So we're going to talk about this a lot in the last section of this course, but let me give you an example. I got an email from a subscriber who told me that she had been diagnosed with generalized anxiety, panic disorders, depression, and borderline personality disorder. But if you look at the whole picture of her life, it becomes clear why when she was able to leave her abusive, violent, and unpredictable husband, after she did that, the anxiety and the hopelessness went away, as did the other symptoms, right? So this anxiety disorder, actually her anxiety was very functional. She wasn't safe. She needed to leave the situation in order to feel better. You can't just treat that with medication or with coping skills, right? In her situation, she didn't need psychological treatment. She needed support. She needed financial and housing support to be able to change her situation. So sometimes it's your lifestyle that needs to change. Maybe you're working too much. Maybe you're taking on too many responsibilities. Maybe you're staying in a toxic relationship. The best treatment for these is to change your boundaries. Okay, so bottom line, we can't rule out or fix every physical issue, but we can at least address some of them. So take small steps to improve your physical health. Get a checkup, treat underlying medical conditions when possible. Um, physical changes can directly improve your anxiety level. So for example, a healthy diet like the Mediterranean diet and exercise is really effective at reducing stress and anxiety. If you want to learn more about practical strategies to improve your mind-body health, you can check out my course, uh, Change Your Brain, which can help you implement tiny atomic habits to improve your mental health. Okay, thanks for watching, and let's get better at feeling. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something you can add to your daily routine that makes your life just a little bit better. If you want to learn more about topics like how to process tough emotions, how to change your brain, how to build better relationships, or support someone you know with a mental illness, then check out my classes at therapyinanutshell.com. And if you feel like these podcasts have been a benefit to you, please leave a rating so others can more easily find this content. Thank you so much and have a great day.